Welcome to the Orthodontics and Interview Podcast, where Farouk brings you closer to the experts in orthodontics so we can hear their story and learn from their experiences with your host, Farouk Ahmed. Welcome to the second episode of Orthodontics in Interview. And I'm really excited to have our second guest, Dr. Flavia Artesi, all the way from Brazil. Now, Flavia is the Associate Professor of the State University of Rio de Janeiro, and she completed her training at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. She's also the Editor-in-Chief of Dental Press, Journal of Orthodontics, and she is an established academic within the field of orthodontics. So Dr. Flavia, a very warm welcome from London. Thank you, Farouk. It's a pleasure to be here in your podcast. This is my very first experience in a podcast, something brand new for me. And it's a pleasure to be speaking to people all over the world. Thank you very much for having me. Greetings from Rio. And thank you, Flavia, for joining me today. It's an absolute honor to be able to interview somebody of such eminent status within the field of orthodontics. So, Flavia, starting off the interview, you've published extensively and also recently had a webinar on anterior open bites. I'm really interested to know, where did your interest in anterior open bites begin? Well, that's the... Uh, interesting story. To make a long story short is I have an open bite myself and I was treated three times orthodontically. Uh, They were all successful treatments, but my open bite relapsed. And uh, because of that, obviously, I have a personal interest on the subject. And I think that because of that, my first orthodontist, who was my father, had his personal interest as well. And he was able to have a closer look at me Um, as a developing child and also as a grown-up on what he thought were the causes of my relapse. So it's the personal experience of having had the malocclusion and who would know it better than the person who'd had it. Flavia, I do need to ask, do you still have that anterior open bite? Well, I was treated the fourth time and it finally closed, but I am a class two also and I still have an overjet. So You see, I'm not completely happy with my outcome, but after you're 40, you you can deal with it. It's fine. Fine, fine. If you want to have a fifth go, Fabia, you're more than welcome to come to my clinic in London. Oh, no, Farouk. I think I'll I'll go to London to meet you for other reasons, not to wear braces again. (laughs) (laughs) Flavia, that may also be questioning my my clinical skills there. Um, But on a separate note, Flavia, Artisi, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is shrimp, which um, I just find delicious, but it's not a very social favorite food because a lot of people are allergic to it. So sometimes I'm in trouble when I ask for the dish in a social situation, but I, I really enjoy shrimp. Fine. That's really good to know. Um, so, Flavia, you're an you're an educator. Um, your your lectures and presentations, but also locally, you're involved in teaching and training. So, your tra- registrars or your your residents that you have, what is your pet peeve? What is the thing that you gets under your skin uh, when you are training them? Well, first of all, pet peeve. That was the first time I ran into that word, and I really did enjoy it. So, increasing my English vocabulary. And uh, what I really hate when my when my students ask me on the orthodont on the uh, clinical floor is something to do with uh, clinical behavior. I usually when they start going to clinic, 
I explain to them that we have to have some protocols regarding um, how we approach the patient and how we deal with the fact that you, even though you're in a, in a clinical environment, you are also in an academic environment. And what I really hate when they ask me uh, if they did something right in front of the patient that's sitting right there. I have the feeling that the patient looks at me asking for help as if they, you know, are, they are guinea pigs. And it's really a very mm. uncomfortable situation. Uh, residents have to mm. understand that there has to be a very um, respectful concern with these patients that will be tremendously special for them throughout their lives. These patients are the ones that allowed them to learn their skills when they were being trained. So that's that's what I really hate the most, definitely. Yeah. And patients are vulnerable creatures. So in that scenario, they don't want to know that the person operating on them or treating them is, is unconfident. So that's really interesting. Uh, Flavia, you grew up in a household of dentistry. Um, so it's really interesting to know what is that you wanted to be when you were growing up? Well, my father... Uh, is an orthodontist and my mother is a pedodontist. So I had this uh, major dental influence at home. But, you know, as every every uh, child, they really have this aspect of rejecting their role models and, for a while. So I went through many, many um, phases. The first one I remember or the story they tell me when I was small, when I was about four or five, was my mother asking me what I wanted to be when I um, became an adult. And uh, the answer was, mom, I want to be a grown up. And that's, you know, one of those child questions that are very direct. But later on, I did, because I studied in an international school, I studied in a British school, there were so many diplomats, I wanted to be a diplomat. And then I changed into law okay. school, and then all the way to architecture. And finally, when I had to choose, I had no clue whatsoever. So I went through psychological coaching and through my skills, they wow. said I would be good in healthcare, and I finally gave up to dentistry. It won. It finally won, Farouk. Your, 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 perhaps your genetic predisposition was expressed in its phenotype. There was no escape, was there? No, no escape whatsoever. Uh, so from that background that you've had and the places that you've been to train, I, I would like to know, Flavia, um, who is the person you admire the most in orthodontics? Well, I think the obvious answer would be my father, and it definitely was. I think that when you choose your parents' profession is because they brought the profession home in a very uh, adequate manner. They, they always loved, they had passion for what they did. And I think we end up grasping this as children go, growing in, in a home. But um, afterwards, when I started going through uh, meetings and understanding a little bit more about the profession, uh, without wanting to be unfair to anyone, because I have so many role models, I think that the female representatives of my time were people that I really looked up to, such as uh, Beata Melson, Anne-Marie Cooper-Yatzman, Catherine Vig. These were ladies that were there on the stand teaching other people, you know, having a respectful academic life. And me as a young girl was just looking at that and saying, well, I can, I can achieve places that, you know, generally women don't. So I had my female role models, I believe, Farouk. That's great. And, and now, Flavia, you, now you are somebody who graces that stage, and I'm sure you are inspiring a generation of female orthodontists as well. 
to hear this really makes me happy. That's that's the biggest thing in teaching. I enjoy teaching very much. Teaching has to do with generosity. When you teach, it doesn't belong to you any longer. You're giving it away and hopefully expecting to people use that information in in a good manner. It's it's a good way of retributing what you did or what you received from society. So it really pleases me to hear this, Farouk. Thank you very much. My interpretation of your statement is that you've just validated my podcasting. So thank you so much for that. Um, so uh, the next bit of the uh, interview, Flavia, is the audience question. So in social media, we ask uh, a question as to what the general population want to know about your about your practice and you as a person. So one of the questions we've got is about how do you choose what to publish in Dental Press Journal of Orthodontics? Farouk, that's a hard question to answer because it has to do with um, editorship or the way you deal with the administration of a journal. And um, I, I would summarize it into three things. The first of all, obviously, is the quality of the research and the paper. If it's scientifically uh, clear and it makes sense and it's just not a repetition of something that has been done. The second issue is citability. I don't even know if that word exists in English, but how much that paper will be able to be cited in future papers. And this has to do with indexations of our journals, the way journals are ranked. And I think that the third uh, aspect is obviously the scope of the journal. Uh, What is the scope uh, of readers that you have? Generally, when we see, for example, local papers with a specific population, that generally would not interest a whole global community. So I think those are the three major points. And moving on now to the the final sections of the interview, Flavia, um, what piece of advice would you want to give to orthodontists and registrars and trainees who are out there? Oh, so many things come to my mind, but I think that um, being in academic life, being in practice and being in – an editor in a journal, I think uh, that the biggest advice I would give a young professional is um, learn how to have a critical view of what you receive as information. Orthodontics has an enormous input of uh, the industry, and there's so much information that's not really properly sent out, or I would say scientifically based, to be immediately used in patients. So have a critical uh, eye. Don't use everything that you see that is being sold to you as, you know, the miracle uh, bracket or the miracle archwire or the miracle technique. Orthodontics has to do with adequate diagnosis, good treatment planning, and good orthodontic training. So I think that's the, the biggest advice. Excellent, Flavia. Thank you so much for that. And that's something I'll be taking on board as well. Um, Are there any events or things that you think orthodontists should be looking forward to in our profession? Well, so many events. um, But one very special to me is the 10th IOC, which is the uh, meeting for the World Federation of Orthodontics, which will be held in Rio in 2025. Uh, The 2010 edition was held in London, and we're bringing the 
2020 would be held in Japan. Unfortunately, because of the COVID, it's going to be a virtual meeting. And in 2025, we really are looking forward to be hosting the orthodontic community. The motto of our meeting is uh, Rio embracing the world. And I think Rio will really be prepared to receive orthodontists all from all over. And I hope to count on you, Farouk. I hope to see you in these tropical lands in 2025. I'll be coming. I'll be coming. I'll be testing, sampling the shrimp in Brazil. That's what I'll be doing. <laughs> well, I promise I'll give you some good shrimp. <laughs> so, Flavia, that brings the interview to an end. I'd like to thank you so, so much for being part of this second episode. Um, I'd like to thank the listeners who have supported the, this podcast with their enthusiasm and and likes. And please do subscribe um, and look forward to the next episode of Orthodontics in Interview.